Good morning. I extend uh, the welcome that's already been offered. Uh, my name is Darwin Jordan. I'm also pastor uh, on staff here. And we are uh, this Wednesday having a day of prayer. More information is found on the bulletin about some of the details that we will have both a time here from 12 to 1 on Wednesday and at the Kimball for those of you who are located more that direction. Um, and it just be a time where we can come together and pray. Also, if you would like, there's a half sheet in the back on fasting. Just a little primer on fasting, why we do it, what are we doing when we fast. Um, this is just another aspect of our uh, strategic initiative to grow in our life of prayer together as the people of God. So I hope that you'll consider that and and join us. If you can't come together, that you might take your lunch time or whatever time you can to spend extra time meditating in God's Word and praying and giving ourselves up to God. Now, we we are studying together the Lord's Prayer and The Lord's Prayer begins with an address, as most of you are familiar, our Father who art in heaven, speaking of how God is willing as our Father to answer prayer, and He's able because He's exalted in heaven. Nothing can stop Him. There's no power on earth that can hinder God in dealing graciously with His people, and He promises to do the greatest things for His people throughout this uh, history and into the future in the new heavens and new earth. Uh, we dealt last week with the first petition, as we call them, the first request that thy name be hallowed. Hallowed be thy name. That God would exalt his name. That he would glorify his name. That he would spread the beauty of his name in our midst and to more and more people. And finally, to cover the whole earth with his glory. That's what we prayed for. And this morning, we're going to consider the second petition, Thy kingdom come. Let us pray. O Lord, be gracious to us, we pray. We ask that you would make your name glorious among us as we consider your great sovereignty, your kingship, and the grace of that kingship. O Lord, bless us. May your kingdom come even in our midst in this time. For your glory and honor we pray. Amen. I think I've shared this with some of you. I know I have uh, heard some, a couple of years ago, an interview with a defensive back after a ball game. And in the game, the defensive back had laid out a receiver pretty badly. The guy wasn't permanently hurt, but he was shaken up. And so the interviewer talking with him said, um, man, w- what about that hit? I mean, you really laid him out. What, what, what about that? And all he said was, he was in my territory. <laughs> now, not saying that's the greatest response in the world, but that was his response. Now, I'd like for you to see yourself going to the last events of the Bible. We're in Revelation 20, uh, where God casts into the lake of fire 
the devil, and all those whose names are not in the book of life. And he also casts into the lake of fire the death and Hades. And so right after this, interviewer comes up to God, as they do, and uh, are going to interview him for the cameras. And so this interviewer is like, whoa, this, that was, I mean, you, the, the, like the devil and death and hell and all of that, that was just, that was just mighty. I mean, that was just almighty. It was, I, I just can't believe that. And is, is that the same place that you, you cast the beast and the, and the, uh, the, the, the false prophet? Yes. Well, well, what was that? What was going on? I mean, you, the, the devil and everything being cast in the fire out away from the creation. What was that all about? And he could say, they were in my territory. That's when the kingdom of God finally, richly, completely comes. And he removes all evil from this creation. And he removes all suffering from this creation because it is his territory. As it says in Revelation 11, at that time, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. There it is. The kingdom of Christ fully manifested in this World. So when you and I pray, thy kingdom come, ultimately, we are praying that God will take all his territory back, eventually. That's what we sing at Christmas, right? No more let sin and sorrow flow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow as far as the curse is found. When we sing that, we are singing, thy kingdom come. Oh, Lord, bring your kingdom progressively and finally in that last day. Uh, thy kingdom come. But we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. This is point three, all right, as an introduction. But let's back up to point one. When we pray, thy kingdom come, one thing I want you to remember is that we are praying for God's kingdom of grace to reign in us, okay? So a central beginning aspect as we pray for God's kingdom. We see where the final ending is going, but right now where we are, this is one thing that we are praying for. And you see in the, the texts that are there in your bulletin, uh, first Colossians 1, 13 through 14. And you see here that when God rescues us, when he saves us, it means that we are being delivered from one kingdom and transferred to another. As he says, delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. That's page 7. Uh, of your bulletin. And this darkness from the domain of darkness is the darkness of a life that was against God, the darkness of a life 
under condemnation and judgment. Now we're transferred into Christ's kingdom where there is forgiveness and there is restoration and there is progressive transformation into God's image. We're under new management. We've had a change of kings, a change of lords. That is what happens when we are saved. Because we're always under a management of some kind, some spiritual force, either those that are opposed to God or under God himself. And then in the next passage, underscores how this kingdom is a reign of grace. It's a reign or a, a lordship of God's favor in our lives. It says there in Romans 5, the, the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, notice the first thing. It says, sin reigned in death. So, sin and death were our lords, okay? They were our kings. We were slaves under their tyranny and left to ourselves. There was no possibility of resistance, and there's no possibility of escape. And you might think that the law would help, but how does he say the law came in to increase the commandments? Just think of the two great commandments, how they came in to play to say you're to love God with all of your heart and you're to love your neighbor as yourself. And you're just like, oh, wait, that exposes a lot of stuff in my life. Love God with everything in me all the time. Love my neighbor with the same love that I love myself. So the law comes in and exposes us It shows us how bad it really is. I don't know if you've ever had that experience where sunlight, suddenly the doors open and sunlight hits your cabinets, like for us, our kitchen cabinets, and suddenly you see all this dirt and smudges that are on your cabinets. Yeah, I've never had that either. I've never had that either. I just heard about it, you know, from other people. You see, the law reveals, just like that sunlight, our sin But the law shows, but it doesn't change. It has no power to change us. It just shows how bad we are that when something so good, so holy, so pure and lovely, the love of God and the love of others comes to us, it just shows how far we are from that. It's a bad situation. You put us, me, by myself in a room with the law, I get beat up all the time. There's no contest. It's like a tar baby. You start trying to fight and you get stuck. You get sucked further and further in. Paul talks in Romans 8 about the the law, the force of sin and death, like this treadmill, like this downward spiral of sin and death. And the downward spiral might look like great success, you know, riches. It might look really good from the outside, but always anything apart from God is a downward spiral of deeper and deeper commitment to self. We're lost. 
So Paul says, that was us. The law increased this, this, the, the trespass, but grace abounded all the more. All the more. We are under a new lordship. And here's what's so wonderful. This kingdom, this lordship is of grace. Grace. It begins with grace. He saw us in our helpless condition. And even though it was our own rebellion and our own despising of God that put us in the power of sin and death, still God favored us. He had mercy on us. Amazing that that the reign of God has to be initiated out of grace. It's powerful. It's kingly. And, and that's why it transforms us. It, 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 he, he means for it to, to, to revolutionize our lives. But it is undeserved favor, undeserved power stretching forth to rescue us. A kingdom of grace. We pray, thy kingdom come. May we know more and more of that grace in our lives. May it manifest itself in our church, in our fellowship, in our ministry. This grace reigns in our lives, and under this grace and love, we begin to live lives of gratitude for the first time. We begin to actually adore God and be amazed at his love. We never did that before because we were in darkness. But now we're in new management, new kingship, a kingship of favor, of experiencing God's favor. And over time, we begin to overcome longstanding fears with a deepening trust in this God of favor. We begin to heal in so many broken places that we don't even know they were broken because of this kingly favor of God that stretches forth into our lives. We begin to be healed of anger and envy and lust under this continuing favor of God. And we are then enlarged to love others in ways we never could before in darkness to find a greater, greater joy in our love for others. Grace reigns in our lives. That's what he, grace might reign, might be king, might be Lord. In our lives. What a happy kingship. You know, to, to name God in terms of grace. Grace. When God reigns in your life, grace reigns in your life. Favor reigns in your life. Not because you've done anything in yourself, but what Christ has taken away your sin on the cross. And Christ His standing in favor with God becomes your standing in favor in God. And that's why Peter says, as as I have here, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus. See, grow in understanding this kingdom of grace, understanding this favor, knowing who the Lord is. And how wonderful that Paul can say, sin will not be, have no dominion over you. Uh, Literally, it means it will not have lordship over you. It will not be your Lord anymore. Isn't that encouraging? It was my Lord. I was in that darkness. I was in the domain of darkness, but no more because I'm not under law. I'm not in that tar baby anymore, just me and the law, but I'm under the favor of God and in the favor of God, 
I can begin to obey with a whole new motivation, a whole new relationship with God. You are under grace in the kingdom of grace. So you're praying for God's kingdom of grace to reign in us, but you're praying also for God's kingdom of grace to spread to others. Thy kingdom come. Lord, extend that kingdom of grace to more and more people. And so I've included here this wonderful passage in 2 Corinthians 9. It says, And God is able to make, notice, all grace abound to you. You're in the kingdom of grace, this favor, this power, undeserved power. So that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, it's pretty complete. All sufficiency, all things, all times, you may abound in every good work. There's almost too many alls and everys there. Like you just, It's just overwhelms you. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute. It, it seems to promise too much. It, how, how can this really be true? But that's what God is able to do, he says. That's what grace, that's what God's favor can do in our broken lives. Our helplessness is to cause us to, uh, it will abound so that we will abound. And how encouraging that there could be this kind of flood of abounding good works, goodness, love, coming from the people of God toward those outside because Jesus himself said in Matthew 5, 16 that people will see our good works and give give glory to our Father in heaven. So see the connection? Here's his kingdom extending out, grace extending uh, so that uh, this love that we have causes them ultimately to see the beauty of God. Hallowed be thy name. See? How wonderful. That in our goodness, people end up seeing the beauty of God himself. And so Titus says about the gospel, the grace of God has appeared. He, he says it's Christ that has appeared, bringing salvation to all people. But he personifies this. He, he names Christ. He names the appearance of Christ in this way. The grace of God has appeared. And isn't it wonderful that you and I are hoping to open up that grace to other people? That, that this is really what you're trying to let them know. You're, you're getting them in on this glorious God. There's a God of favor. And he's on the move, and, and he wants to have favor on you. I mean, he already does have favor in many ways in your life. But you, you want them to know, to taste what it is to experience that favor of God. To know what it is to, to, to know God's love, to know his forgiveness, to see their lives begin to heal, to be in fellowship, to learn to adore and be amazed at this God. <laughs> That's the grace of God. And then this marvelous statement, as Paul describes how it works. Here it is. And this is a passage that you need to get and let it be a a vital part of your Christian life. It is all for your sake, that is all that we do, all our preaching and our labor, so that as grace extends to more and more people, 
it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. There's the kingdom of grace spreading out. We're praying that it will spread to more and more people. And here's Paul saying, grace is extending to more and more. And what happens? More and more adoration. More and more people recognizing the beauty of God. This God of favor and love in Christ Jesus. But there is a, a question to ask ourselves. I, I'm asking myself this question. As prayer is one of our goals, uh, immediate, most important thing. Also, kind of coming in the wake of that is, is neighboring. And, and for me, not to be at all concerned about the lost, to just say, I'm not going to care about the lost. I'm not going to be engaged with coworkers or the people I go to school with, the people I, I live around. <laughs> That's, that's running counter. I, I, how can I pray for your grace to extend to more and more people, for your grace to abound in my life so that people will see your goodness in me and not begin to engage, you see, with unbelievers? So, Lord, extend the kingdom of your grace. Use me, use my family, use our church. Use us to extend your kingdom of grace. And finally, we're praying for the kingdom of grace to deepen and enrich itself in our life as a church, in us individually. We're praying for it to spread to other people. And then finally, as I say here, we're praying for God's kingdom of grace to come in its final fullness. So there's always this final aspect of this prayer. Uh, just as there is with the glory of God. Hallowed be thy name. And God says, the whole earth will be full of the beauty of my name in that last day. We pray for his kingdom to come. And we've already seen the kings of this world will become, or the kingdom of this world will become the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. But notice how Peter lays it before us in terms again of grace. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So, this favor of God has this final aspect to it. This final aspect that we know includes uh, all kinds of things. This final completion, uh, like the resurrection of the body. As Paul says, he will transform our body of our, the body of our humble state to be conformed to the body of his glory we will be revealed with him in glory paul says in colossians and he describes it that instead of a body of weakness we'll have a body of power instead of a body of that can die we'll have a body that cannot die instead of a body that's humble we'll have bodies that are glorious like jesus own body so there's this resurrection, bodies that fully manifest the powerful, life-giving spirit. And then creation itself will be transformed. Creation is awaiting our transformation. I talk of it like this. The, uh, we are the engine and the whole creation is the train. And when mankind, the king of creation, falls off, it takes the whole train with him. And when God puts... 
the engine back. He puts the whole train back. All of creation is restored in the restoration of the kings and queens of creation. It's kind of a resurrection of creation. It's set free, Paul says, of its bondage and its futility. It's out of the pen and bounding across the field now, finally, creation is. And we're running right there with it. In Acts 3, Peter calls this time the time when God restores everything. Oh, that's beautiful. The time when God restores everything. Thy kingdom come indeed. Restore everything. Shalom everywhere. (laughs) Shalom forever. Perfect love and perfect happiness with each other will never wrong or hurt each other. We have a perfect collaboration of all of our gifts in the new creation a perfected joy in Christ, a never-ending awe and astonishment as we explore more and more deeply into the majesty and beauty of God. There's never one second's break in the bliss of gratitude. You can't even imagine it. Thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. But in that day, all who've refused the one true God will be removed from the earth. And this is hard, and it's it's caused me grief in my life. It's caused me tears and crying out to God about it. But there is a coming judgment, and what it said of the devil is... All those who belong to him. And we either belong to that spiritual force or we belong to God through Jesus Christ. There are no other options. And you want to think, well, yeah, but what did Jesus say? And that's, <laughs> that's the trouble. Jesus is the one who spoke most clearly, most often about the terrible nature of judgment. To shoo us away From that path, right? To all the more cause us to cry out and enjoy the favor of God. Isn't that amazing though that here's the favor of God offered to us. And we refuse it. We won't believe it. We don't think we need it. We we don't think he's sincere perhaps. We like the control of our own life. It's the favor of God. It's the favor of God, the favor of his kingdom. And so we urge you, if you don't trust Christ, to trust him. He is the great hero of heaven who rescues us through his death. I'll I'll close with this verse. First, the one we know so well, and then the one right after it. For God so loved the world. That he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. But in order that the world might be saved through him. Be saved. Come into his kingdom of grace. Out of the darkness. Into the light. Let us pray. O Lord. 
We bless you. We praise you, O God of unlimited kindness and mercy. You have given to us the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, enable us gladly to put our lives in your hands. Enable us, Lord, gladly to submit to the gracious rule of your kingdom, this rule of your favor and grace and love in our lives. Bless us for Jesus' sake. Amen.